Thank you for joining us for Talking Sleep, a podcast of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Seema Kosla, Medical Director of the North Dakota Center for Sleep in Fargo. Well, it's that time of year again where we spring forward and either celebrate the time change or, more likely, dread advancing our clocks by an hour. While it seems as though this topic has been debated extensively recently, significant meaningful legislation has yet to be implemented. Here to talk to us about the science of clock change is Dr. Karen Johnson. She is a professor of neurology at UMass Chan School of Medicine Bay State and medical director of Bay State Health Regional Sleep Program in Springfield, Massachusetts. She is vice president of Save Standard Time, a volunteer-run nonprofit advocating for permanent standard time and a member of the AASM Advocacy Committee and Sleep Section Chair of the American Academy of Neurology. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Seema. So tell me about the updates since we last visited this topic a couple of years ago. In 2020, ASM put out its position statement about daylight saving time, and they really focused that on the harms that happen with time change itself and wanting to end that time change. And they did say that they favored permanent standard time, but they left it open that potentially permanent daylight saving time would be an okay way to end time change. In March 2020, they... added to that statement. They put out a new um, statement online that really stressed that permanent daylight savings time would not be okay, that they're against the Sunshine Protection Act, which was a bill that was out in March 2020 to try to get to permanent daylight savings time. And they did this because um, we look more at the long-term effects of living on a more misaligned time of permanent daylight savings time and really decided that it would actually be worse than the status quo. The other things that have come up in the last two years, um, we've had new endorsements, um, the American Academy of Neurology, the American Medical Association, the Sleep Research Society have all endorsed permanent standard time as well. So that's really important, right? Because, uh, you know, one of the questions we always toss around is, let's say, you know, permanent standard time is off the table. So then which one do you choose? Do you choose permanent daylight or do you keep the switch? And we and really the data shows keeping the switch is better. Um, Multiple places in the world have tried permanent daylight saving time, including the United States. The United States tried it twice, the last in 1974. And. When you have daylight savings time in winter, it is exponentially worse because we lose those morning sunrises that are really critical, important. So it quickly becomes unpopular and it just doesn't last. So there's no need to repeat the mistakes of the the past. Um, And while the time change is bad and causes effects on things like strokes and heart attacks, being on permanent daylight saving time, especially in the winter, just does not work. Well, and isn't that funny, right? Because we've tried it one way twice, but we haven't actually tried permanent standard time. Not 
in the United States. 60% right. <laughs> 60% of the world is on permanent standard time. Um, Mexico just voted to adopt permanent standard time. Oh, very so cool. So it has been tried across the world and is very successful in most places <laughs> in the world. So maybe, right? So let me let me ask you this. Because I've never quite understood this. So if the data are so compelling, why do you think there's pushback? So, you know, is the pushback sort of this vocal minority online? You know, it seems like there are plenty of smart people on both sides of this argument. And so I just kind of feel like we should be able to look at the, you know, at the data that's been collected and objectively decide which way to go. So I'd say there are three main things. There's a lot of emotion um, people sort of relate permanent daylight savings time to summer um, and more sun and feeling better with the summer. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, there's a lot of statements that say daylight savings time will reduce crime, will improve, make families happier, will, you know, improve all these things. Um, and those just aren't true. Um, and then there are special interests. This is a political debate. Um, and there is some data that certain retail interests, recreational interests, you know, barbecue industry, the gas industry, they potentially can make more money, but it's on the back of health problems, lack of sleep, you know, sleep problems, circadian misalignment. So um, there are lobbying that, that are pushing on the other side. Isn't it funny? All this back and forth over an hour. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand, you know, you kind of touched on some of the non-medical groups, but um, you had shared with me that there are some religious groups involved in this conversation as well. So um, there are especially um, Jewish religious groups, some Muslim religious groups who um, their prayer times actually have to do with when the sun is has risen. So, um, you know, people have to only start their prayers um, after the sunrise. So when we go to permanent daylight savings time, there can be anywhere from two to four months with sun rising only after eight o'clock. Some places as late as like 9.30, 9.45 a.m., um, and so if that's the time that you have to do prayer, that really oh, gets get in the that. way of holding down a job or, you know, other activities. Well, I mean, I, I get that. That's understandable. So so let's talk about some of, you know, you had earlier mentioned something about people being happier, right? So let's talk about some of these beliefs that are out there. So let's talk about safety and car crashes. So car crashes is interesting. Um we know that more car crashes do happen in the afternoon commute than at other times a day. So the theory is that if we can bring more light to that time of day, there'll be less car crashes. Um, and there's some data that do suggest that there may be some positive effects there, especially right at the you know spring time change where you're getting that extra sort of bit of light that you might not get. As you get later in the summer, it's light, you know, even past commute time, whether or not you're on standard time or daylight savings time. The issue is that's only looking at the effects of light, mm. whereas there are a lot more factors that go into car crashes. There's alertness, there's drowsy driving, there's risk-taking behaviors like texting while driving, um, drunk driving, um, how quickly your reaction time is, how, you know, your judgment is. And 
all of those things are impacted by circadian rhythms in sleep. And so there was a great study by Gentry that came out in 2022. And what he did is he looked at places in the United States that are within the right time zone and within a half hour of the sun being overhead at noon versus parts of the country that should be kind of the next time zone over. And so their sunrises and um, are later and their sunsets are later. So despite the later sunrises and sunsets, just the same thing that we get when we're on daylight savings time, he found 20.8% more fatal motor vehicle crashes in those parts of the country. So later sunsets does not equal less accidents. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And and then the other end in the winter, when you only have that sun rising at 8, 9 a.m. in the morning, um, you get a lot of darkness. And morning commute time really matches up with school bus time. So you have kids that are standing at their bus stop, especially in rural communities that may have very little lighting out. And um, more people died. So one of the main things that made uh, daylight savings time so unpopular in 1974 was in a single month in January um, in Florida, there were eight more deaths and Mm. issues in other parts of the country as well. Yeah, I mean, where I live in in Minnesota, it it is really dark. (laughs) And so, yeah, when my kids had to get out on the bus really early, I was, you know, I was always out there. I was just, you know, so worried about how dark it was. And the western edges of the time zone have have the later sun times. And then the more southern parts are actually uh, the ones that have the more months of dark morning. So it may not be dark as quite as late, but it could be dark for three, four months after 8 a.m. So Georgia, Texas, Florida. And that's because of the curve of the earth sort of, mm-hmm. you know, makes those more even days and, and darker um, parts of the country in the south. So what about like robbery and other crimes? What about that data? So that's one of the like big arguments that you'll see cited by politicians. They might say there'll be 27% lower robberies um, if we go to permanent daylight savings time. And they pretty much all point to this one study that was done by Doliac. And it looked immediately before and after the time change. And so they have this one graph that looks at evening robbery rate. And there was a 27% drop basically on the day of the time change. Um, Unfortunately, it tells you nothing about what happens the rest of standard time or the rest of daylight savings time. So if you kind of look at the curves for most of standard time, there was actually lower robbery rates and most of daylight saving time just for the couple months they looked on either sides, they were actually higher. Maybe they're just too sleepy to go out and (laughs) do some crime. I I think so. (laughs) So. And this is the common thing. It's these, you know, we mostly have these short-term before or after the time change data studies, and these are the ones that are used to support what will happen. Um, and but the problem is the problems of time change isn't just the time change itself. It mm. really is being in that chronic misaligned state of permanent daylight savings time. So just the same with with car crashes. 
Um, you know, there are so many cognitive and alertness, you know, and other factors that go into crime, you know, things like how good kids do at school. What, you know, are people making more money? They commit less crime, you know, less drug and substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is we know kids are some of the most affected by daylight savings time because they're naturally late schedule. And the time that kids... Um, do the most crimes is actually around 3 to 4 p.m. So it's while it's light out. Um, and what correlates more with juvenile crime is actually more unstructured time after school, um, which daylight savings time does increase. Um, so again, all these other factors that, that affect crime are worsened by daylight savings time. Now, I will say there's no good sort of data um, to sort of you know, follow that. Mm. Please do the study out there if you're a, <laughs> a researcher that's better than me. Um, and uh, but, um, you know, so we, you know, I would love that data to be more concrete, but, you know, just the same way that you can't just say light will help car accidents. You can't say that light will f affect crime. And if anything, robbery is the most likely one to be helped, you know, by light, whereas a lot of huh. other crimes you know, don't don't relate to light as much. So do you think there's an argument, though, to be made about activity and obesity? So this is another common one. You know, if it's light out. Kids will get out there more. People will get out there more and get to the golf course more. And again, in March, there is, you know, that you get that extra light and you may be more likely to go out. Now, it really depends on heat and cold. And around here, I got snow and, you know, other things that might affect things. Um, but studies that have looked at this, um, there was one really big study with over 20,000 people looking at nine countries. Um, and they found a, about a six minute average increase in activity time, but it was pretty much all driven by Northern Europe. Um, there was about a 20 minute increase in, in the several countries in Northern Europe. There was no overall increase um, in um, the United States and other countries like Brazil, Madeira that are warmer, they actually found a decrease in energy um, and, and again, this was only in the months before and after the time change. So it was not a full year study. Now, there's like a study that looked at activity in kids in Texas, and they actually found in summer there's there's lower activity levels. So again, that heat, those other factors really potentially pay more of an effect than light. And then even if kids exercise more, the main, you know, we want kids to exercise more, but the main reason we want them to exercise more is to prevent obesity, to prevent cardiovascular disease, to make people healthy. And that's what really just does not uh, follow. <laughs> um, so we know there's um, anywhere between 10 to even 30% higher rates of obesity when sunsets are an hour later. We know there's more cardiovascular huh. disease, more heart attacks. Um, so, you know, so even if we, some people act, you know, are more active, it just does not turn into health benefits. So what about mental health, though? I mean, shouldn't sunlight later help with this or is it more important in the morning? There are so many interesting connections with mood and sleep and circadian rhythms. Um, 
So, you know, when we get sunlight in our eyes, it does send this sort of direct signal to parts of our brain that, you know, make us feel better. So when we walk out of work and we get that sun and go, ah, you know, I feel good. But again, that that momentary feeling of, of goodness does not translate to mental health problems like depression, ADHD, um, things like that. And morning light is really what's critical. So daylight saving time in the summer does have some effects, but it gets really bad um, in the winter. And this is actually one of the data points we actually have the most data on um, because Russia actually tried permanent daylight savings time for three years between 2011 and 2014. And um and so there's unfortunately only this one study out of it that really compares daylight savings time to permanent standard time to seasonal daylight savings time. They did the seven year comparison over those three different conditions. And they found that adolescents actually had the highest rates of winter depression when they were on permanent daylight savings time and the lowest when they were on permanent standard time. And that goes with what we know about, you know, morning light therapy. We don't give people evening light therapy. We know that can actually worsen right. mood disorders in some people. So you had taught me something kind of interesting when we chatted before, and you were kind of talking about this genetic component to our mood. So tell me more about that. So I'm <laughs> no way an expert on it, but, you know, what I, what I find fascinating is there's a lot of... Um, genes that they're finding that are associated with mental health disorders that um, work on their circadian system. And so particularly with depression, you tend to get genes that are associated with delayed sleep phase, while with bipolar, you get some that are associated with either more advanced sleep phase or sort of short sleep times and things like that. And then the, the medications that we use to treat depressions like SSRIs, they actually have phase advancing properties. And so some of the thought of how they work is to um, do that phase advance. And so that's why especially depression tends to worsen in conditions where there's later sunrises and sunsets like daylight savings time. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about daylight saving time. You're listening to Talking Sleep from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. With Wesper, sleep management is so easy. You could do it well in your sleep. Wesper delivers a powerful sleep management platform built to address sleep conditions from testing through ongoing care. From home sleep apnea testing and sleep disorder testing to remote patient monitoring, patient titration, outcome management, and much more. It's sleep management made easy. Learn more at Wesper.co. Welcome back to Talking Sleep. We're talking with Dr. Johnson about the science and myths behind the clock change. So we kind of talked about, um, you know, you kind of talked about time zone studies and you had mentioned something about Indiana. So Indiana um, is one of the places in the United States that used to use standard time for most of the state. There were some bordering regions that kept a seasonal daylight savings time. And in 20 or sorry, 2007, um, they switched 
to seasonal daylight savings time. So there were a couple of studies that came out. There were studies that before that switch compared parts of the state that looked at uh, the areas on permanent standard time compared to the areas on permanent on seasonal daylight savings time. There were other studies that looked at before and after um, the change. And so um, one of my favorite studies is an actual study about education um, that was done by Gasky. And what they did was they looked at SAT scores in the areas of Indiana that were on seasonal daylight savings time, and they compared it to the areas that were on permanent standard time. And the areas in seasonal daylight savings time had 16-point lower overall SAT scores. Wow. But the most, yeah, and then, so the most interesting thing is it wasn't even. So there was actually 49 points lower in the lowest income, 23 points lower if you came from a middle income family, and eight points lower if you were from a highest income family. And so I think this is one of the strongest points of data we have about the structural disparities that permanent daylight savings time will have. And you know, you've interviewed people, you know that sleep health has enormous disparities. And some of the biggest factors is, you know, how many jobs you have, when do you have to show up to work, what family, you know, times you have. And we know that permanent daylight savings time most affects those who are more night owls, like teenagers, but also anyone that has early start times. So especially before 8 a.m., we know people lose more sleep, um, and are more likely to have circadian misalignment like social jet lag. Um, and we know that disproportionately affects lower income um, people. We know that disproportionately affects minorities. So, you know, that's what we're really, you know, sort of looking up um, against. Well, and, and you're right. I mean, there's so much more than just the science, right? There's this huge advocacy component. Um, so a few years ago, I was part of Virtual Hill Day. And which I thought was kind of cool. You know, I'd never really done that before. And afterwards, our local representative staff person actually came to my office. So maybe like a year or two later. And he was, you know, we're just chatting and he was talking about the legislative wins and sort of how he was representing the constituency. Right. And he said, hey, by the way, you know, you heard that we passed permanent uh, permanent time change through um, through the Senate. And he was like, see, we've represented you. And I was like, well, no, it was like the wrong way. <laughs> and he was totally blown away by that. He was so surprised because he really thought that he was doing what the sleep community had asked him to do. And it was like the other way around. And so for me, that really emphasized the importance of education it, when we're doing our advocacy work, right? Like, because he he genuinely thought he was doing the right thing. You know, that is so true. I mean, this is such a confusing topic. Um, you know, I got to say two years ago, you know, I there was a lot of stuff I didn't, you know, know about this either. I mean, you know, everything from just the name, daylight saving versus savings, <laughs> you know, like it, it, it's confusing. Um, 
And, you know, I, you know, you, you, I think, you know, on my, my test, when you have to talk about jet lag and, you know, what, what time do you give light in this? You know, I mean, that circadian stuff is some of the Agreed. most complicated yes. things. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, and, you know, you get people like, am I on daylight savings time right now? Am I on standard time right now? I don't even know. You know, I mean, it, it is so confusing. And so I think this education is is huge and it's huge for this issue it's huge for later school start time issues sleep you know issues um in general with other you know other sleep health and you know and that's really what i like about this advocacy work is i've been able to teach people about sleep you know in general circadian rhythms in general and you know relate it to this topic and try to you know, give people that information to make it a little less confusing. And there is just so much misinformation and miss out there um, that you just have to chip away. Um, yesterday, uh, Rubio just resubmitted the um, Sunshine Protection Act again. Mm -hmm. And I was reading a New York Times um, article about it. And, you know, on my Twitter feed, I wrote two different, uh, you know, fact check errors that <laughs> were listed in that article. You know, so just every article that's out there tends to get something wrong. And so, you know, it's hard to know what it, what is real, what is not real. Well, and to your point, it may not be intentional misinformation. It's just it gets complicated, right? And, and I think part of our, our role is to connect the dots. So there was so much good work that was done to delay school start times, right? And then all of a sudden, if we have permanent permanent daylight time, you're going to, in one fell swoop, get rid of all of those changes from delayed school start time. And and like to be able to connect those dots, I think, then people are like, oh, hang on. That's true. Yeah, not quite all, but it certainly takes a big chunk right. away. Yeah, but it, but the point is that like people don't necessarily you know think of them as interconnected. Definitely, yeah. Right, and so if we can connect those dots a little bit, then then I think you know I think it helps for people to understand why we think this is an important thing. Yeah, and there's so many great studies out there about the delay uh, or the later school start times. And and they, you know, again, really give supportive data of why permanent daylight savings time is worse the same way earlier school start times are worse and why, you know, making the start times later or going to standard time would be better for us. So I saw that you won the 2023 Sleep Research Society Public Service Award. So congratulations. This was huge. Thank you. And so this was largely due to your work with the Save Standard Time group. So tell me about the videos you created. So I got involved um, with Save Standard Time in 2020. And this actually goes back to the ASM asked the AAN for endorsement of permanent standard time. And AON, oh, I don't know if we know enough. I don't know if you know we could do this. And and really asking about the other effects on on health and energy and you know and all these these other things. And so it kind of got me <laughs> looking into the data and doing more. And that's how I got connected to permanent um 
sorry, to save standard time. Huh. Um, I am happy to say that I did finally convince AAN and, and they did um, endorse permanent standard time. Um, but uh, through Save Standard Time, you know, we've met with legislators, we met with the Department of Transportation, we've met with the National College of State Legislators. Um, and then this video series, um, I really want to thank uh, the ASM Foundation, who gave us a community sleep health grant um, that has allowed us to make these videos. So there are 12 short videos that focus on different topics as related to daylight savings time. So some are just what is the history, what are circadian rhythms, but then we go into the effects on health and education, activity, energy, um, driving, and really try to just boil down what is the data. And we're really focusing on that long-term data. So we kind of quickly go through that, yes, time change is bad, but that's not the issue. It's the long-term effects that are really why we need to be on permanent standard time versus permanent daylight saving time. Well, and I think it's so compelling when you when you connect that to the genetic information, right? Just it all goes there. I mean, you know, there, there, mm -hmm. there's... Yes, a few studies on daylight savings time in the overall reachers, but you know, the I've learned so much about all the circadian <laughs> studies that are out there. I mean, there's so many on obesity, there's so many on education and, you know, and um we know a lot about, you know, what happens when you don't line up circadian rhythms and all that indirect data supports it and goes along with it. So it's, you know, not surprising when we do have data that looks more specifically about daylight savings time, that it matches up. So you're doing good work with your group, but what about us sort of as a larger sleep community? How can we advocate for time change? I mean, is this something we should be encouraging our patients to advocate for? I mean, what does that look like? How can we better support this? So we need people out there educating. Um, that can be as simple as writing a letter to your legislators. It can be talking to your patients. We really need endorsements from people in different walks of life, whether it's parent groups or educational groups or, um, you know, different business groups. So, you know, if you have patients that work in, you know, different areas, you know, tell them, hey, this is, you know, you know how your sleep problem that you came to me is affecting you? Well, you know, you have the opportunity of, of supporting this bigger, you know, uh, issue that can really, you know, help the whole, you know, whole population. Um, so some easy ways to write letters to your legislators. Um, ASM has an advocacy page that has a quick link to just do a sort of preformed letter. Um, you can also text SST to 50409. Um, that's has used ResistBot um, to, to write a letter. You can go to savestandardtime.com that also has a link and a lot more information. And if you want to do that step more, or, um, you know, asking for a meeting um, with your legislators. Um, we really want the work done both at the state level, which really is, will lay the foundation for hopefully convincing the federal government to do the right thing as well. Um, and then the other things are just, you know, write an op-ed for your local news. Um, at this time of year, if you're a sleep doc and you're getting asked to be told, how do your patients get ready for daylight savings time and doing a little media thing? Drop, you know, a comment about permanent standard time. Um, so, you know, talk it up with your patients. Um, 
show them, give them the links uh, to these video series. They're found on YouTube. Go to um, just search for uh, the science of clock change or you can find them on savestandardtime.com. Um, and then another thing that people can do is work with their state medical societies. They have often very big advocacy um, sort of connections and getting an endorsement from them can go a long way when you're then talking to legislators who want to know who endorses it. And if you don't have time for all this, the next best thing is to give money. <laughs> uh, so ASM PAC, Save Standard Time, you know, ASM Foundation, you know, all those group, um, you know, are, are doing great work. So, um, you know, support them. So one of the arguments that I've heard about this whole time change is energy and saving energy. Tell me about that. So back when daylight saving time was first proposed, one thought was that if we could move daylight later, people would use less light um, and that that would save energy. And that's really never panned out. And with energy these days, it's actually pointing the other way. And that's because one, energy has become more efficient. Two, we do more things in the day that use electronics, whether it's computers and, you know, laptops and phones. So we're using energy. And when you have, are on daylight saving time, people sleep less, mm. about 1% less. And so it's not surprising that we use about 1% more energy. And then the biggest thing is actually the effects on heating and cooling. And so because we get sort of colder mornings that we're forced to now be up for, and because people are out more when it's hotter out, um, we end up increasing both air conditioning and heating costs. Huh. And so there was a study in Indiana. They looked at when they were on standard time versus when they switched to seasonal daylight savings time. And they found that change led to a 1% increase in electricity costs when they went to the daylight savings time. Well, and wasn't that whole, that wasn't that the initial um, argument was to save candles? So that kind of goes back to a sort of jokey thing that Ben Franklin um, yeah. said. He he was working um, as a ambassador and would stay up really late going to parties in France and then would want to sleep in late. So he kind of said, hey, if we actually, you know, <laughs> got people up early, they could be working this whole time there was lights and not using, you know, the candles the whole time they're staying up all night, you know, partying. Um, so, you know, that that was sort of the 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 thought. Now, it, you know, it rolled into the, the 20th century <laughs> idea of, of the same thing. Um, you know, so back in World War Two, it was thought, you know, part of the war, war effort would be that we would save similarly light energy, at, you know, at that time. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, the data really didn't show that there was a real, you know, change there. 
Um, but definitely as we've increased heating, you know, use and especially air conditioner use and as things are getting hotter, more and more people are getting air conditioners. Those actually have the, the biggest increase. So there's actually estimates that the southern states have, will have even higher electricity um, bills mm. than even northern states because of that air conditioning. Um, one other study that is out there, um, J.P. Morgan compared Arizona, which is on uh, Standard Time, is actually Phoenix, Arizona, compared to Los Angeles. And they looked at credit card spending before and after the time change um, as a sort of re as a relative basis. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, California that went to um, the daylight savings time had about a, a five, six percent increase in utility bills with transitioning into um, the daylight savings time period. I think that really speaks to, you know, I think a lot of the information out there is not intentional misinformation, right? I think people have good intents. And so that's why it's so important to look at objective, probably longer term data and then decide, right? Yeah, that's definitely true. And then, you know, I mean, with that JP Morgan data, you know, they use it to say, hey, there'll they'll, they'll be, you know, more economic benefit. Mm. But the economic benefit went into higher utility bills, higher healthcare spending bills, and um, higher gas bills. Mm. Now, there was also some more retail and some more grocery bills, but but some of the biggest increases were actually these other things. Huh. And most people may not think that's necessarily the good place <laughs> to put put their money. Um, and again, those are just short term, you know, effects. So, you know, they don't necessarily give us the information about long term. Um, and, you know, in terms of the economy and workforce, um, a study by Giantella, you know, found big um, problems with productivity, people missing work, people being tardy to work when sunrises and sunsets are later. And and actually there was about anywhere from um, three to five percent lower average salaries with hmm. those later sunrises and sunsets. So you're you know, you're you're balancing some niche um, you know, increases in certain economies for a short period of time, you know, in, mm. in the spring and fall, while you're giving, you know, effects to the health and the function um, of the workplace as a whole that won't be good for the economy. So any final thoughts? Um, you know, I think it's just been so great to see ASM make permanent standard time a priority, um, putting, you know, resources into it. Um, and, you know, it, I, I, I just really appreciate them and sort of proud to be part of um, that organization. And if you do want to, you know, do more, um, please let the ASM Advocacy Committee know. You can sign up um, and write uh, in, in with safestandardtime.com. And, you know, anything you need, reach out to us and we're happy to help. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and helping to provide helpful insights into standard and daylight saving time, but also how we can better advocate for our field and our communities. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Sleep, brought to you by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. For more podcast episodes, please visit our website at aasm.org. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast service. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a rating or review. For more feedback or suggestions, email us at podcast at aasm.org. 
I hope you'll join us again for more Talking Sleep. Until next time, this is Seema Kosla, encouraging you to sleep well so you can live well. <laughs>